What's up, guys? What's going on? I'm Paul. This is Pauline Theology's Daily Devotional with Trust in Jesus Ministries, and we are continuing in Genesis. We're in Genesis chapter 26, 1 through 11, and uh, we move from Jacob and Esau, and we go back to Isaac. We have a little episode with Isaac, and the episode is a repeat, man, like the title of the, the podcast, like Father Like Son, man, this is like father, like son in a lot of ways. So if you haven't checked it out, 26, 1 through 11, Genesis, read it, stop the tape, check it out, see what it has to say, then come back and we'll answer the four questions. And then we'll see how Isaac is mimicking the things of his father. So what does uh, the uh, scripture say? What 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 is the author saying here? Well, it says that uh, there's a big famine in the land, right? And so they take off. Um, Isaac has to leave. It says he goes down to the place of Abimelech, king of Philistine. So one thing I just want to say, because time has passed, a whole lot of time has passed. And so you might ask the question, like, why is uh, Abimelech, how is he still alive after like 80 years or 70 years or something like that, you know? And um, the answer is that this is not the same Abimelech. It's just a title name, or some some think of it like that, is that many people want to claim Abimelech as the title, because we have a, a passage in Psalms that talks about during the time of King Abimelech, or of Abimelech, King of the Philistines, and it's during the time of David. So this is a, a common name attested for kings of the Philistines. And that could be the the thing. It's like a title, but it could also be the name. Kind of like how there's like King George the first, King George the second, King George the third. It's just the same name. So just just to just dissuade some confusion as to how this same king. Well, it's not the same king. It's just a guy with the same name. Anyway, it says he goes down there, and as he was there, it says he gets an appearance from the Lord, and uh, Yahweh says to him, He says, uh, "Don't go to Egypt." He's like, uh, don't go down that way. Stay in this land. Or he actually says, stay in the land that I tell you to go to. And then he says, sojourn in this land or dwell in this land uh, and I will be with you. Ooh, man. So I was doing some studying on I am in, 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 uh, um, in uh, I keep trying to think of Egypt, but in Exodus, whenever the Lord appears to Moses, his name, he gives him his name, right? And he says, it's Echwe. Well, here we have a, a, a thing of that is Echwe, Inca, which means I will be with you. Or I've read and studied a little bit that when this appears, it could be the name of the Lord as he spoke it to Moses. Now, in Hebrew, there's a, a certain thing that um, it's called a, a non uh Oh man, now I'm 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 losing it. But you don't have to have a verb in order to make a sentence full. And and the only type is the is verb or a being verb. And, and a being verb is like the car is blue or Paul is black. So the the is doesn't have to be there. It's understood. And so ehwe imka could mean Yahweh is with you. But the word echwe is actually a verb. And so when he tells his name to, uh, when, when God, Yahweh, tells his name to Abraham, or Abraham, tells his name to Moses, he uses this verb, echwe. 
And so that's why it could be understood as that. It's pretty cool because I just think that God is infusing his name into uh, speaking with him, saying, I am with you. Like me, the Lord, is with you. But it can also just mean that I am or I will be with you because Ehwe is actually uh, a um, a fugitive uh, or future verb. So he says, I will be with you. Anyway, man, all that aside, if it, if it was too much, ask questions about it or just uh, put out your mind. It's just something unique I thought in my own brain about as I was studying the name of Yahweh. And maybe I'll put a video out on that because it's fascinating, man. It's amazing to know what his name means and how much power it has. And, and for a, a, an ancient mind like this to just make something up according to the way his name is, 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 is highly unlikely. Even a, not an ancient, but even a modern mind wouldn't be able to comprehend or to write in such a way that would cover all of the the wonder and the amazingness of what his name means. So I may do a video on that sometime. Anyway, it says, I will be with you. And he says, I will bless you. And uh, and he says, and these lands I'll give to your, your seed. He says, and I will raise up a, a oath that I swore to your father, Abraham. And he says, and I will increase your seed like the stars in the sky. And to your seed, I'll give all of these lands, man. And it says, because your father obeyed my commandments and my statutes and my Torah. So that's the first thing where I said, like father, like son, is that he's reestablishing or um, promising again to Isaac the things that he promised to Abraham. He's going to give him this land. He's going to increase his seed. He's going to bless him. And so this is what's going to happen to Isaac. And it's for the sake of Abraham and because Abraham did what God had told him to do. And, and specifically and namely, it was that offering of Isaac himself. And so I'm sure that brings back thoughts of uh, that moment when that lamb came out for Isaac. Because he says that Abraham did believe and he did follow all that Yahweh had told him to do. Anyway, after that, it says that uh, so Isaac dwelled in that land, the, the land that God had told him to, to stay in, which is the land that he's going to possess. His seeds are going to possess because that was uh, what God had promised. It's, it's, he, he gets to kick it in the land that his family is going to be in forever. Anyway, it says that the men of this place asked about um, asked about Rebecca. They said, is, is she your wife? And uh, because he was afraid he's going to kill him, he's like, "Nah, she's my sister. And so after a, a while passed, he, he had to stay in there. I guess the famine was so bad, but he had to stay there for a long time. And then uh, it says that the king Abimelech looked out his window and he saw Isaac doing some uh, un, 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 um, couth or ungood things to his sister. He says like this, this ain't this ain't the way a brother's supposed to be acting towards his sister. It's funny because the 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 word is uh, mizach, which is is similar to the name Isaac, and so it's like he's Isaacing. He, Isaac is Isaacing Rebecca, and uh, he sees that, and the king's like, "Nah, man, this ain't right." And so he calls Isaac to him, and he says, "Why didn't you tell me that that was your wife? 
why did you say that it was your sister, man? And he was like, dude, my wife is beautiful and people, uh, I thought that they would kill me over her. And um, he says, why have you brought this guilt upon us or this, um, the, the repercussions or damnation if somebody would have touched your wife and, uh, and, and a way a, a husband touches his wife. He says, if that would have happened, you would have brought guilt upon us, man. He says, it would have been nothing for that to happen. Um, and so the king actually uh, demanded the people, if anybody touches Isaac in like uh, a fighting, killing, trying to take his wife, or if anybody touches his wife to make her as a wife, they will die. They will be put to death. The death sentence is going to happen, man. And so what's this say about God? Um, I think, first off, this passage talks about God as being a communal God, a wonderful God who wants to be with his people. He says, I will be with you. He wants to dwell with us. Um, that, that's the, the thing is I am the great I am says I will be with you. But he's also a faithful God. He's keeping his promises and he's reestablishing these promises to allow Isaac to recognize that um, he is going to be a benefactor as well of the things he has said before, that he's faithful to doing that. And then I think the last thing it says is that he's demanding God, that he requires obedience. Obedience is not salvation. But obedience is still required because he doesn't have to do any of the things he's doing. So if he does it, it's still because of grace. But just because it's because of grace doesn't mean that we're not supposed to do the things that God has called us to do. What does this say about man? Well, it says that we are to trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And the trust and obey part is just what Abraham did first is that uh, he um, did the thing that God called him to do, which is to offer up his son. He trusted that God would bring him back in a way, a type. And then he did. He allowed for the, uh, the ram to, to, to take that place. And that's why he says that Abraham did as I commanded. He obeyed my voice. He listened to me. But then Isaac also as well has to trust and obey because he says, stay in these lands, which probably isn't very far because of the fact that he was living in the lands that God said he was going to give him. That means it's, it's still on the perimeter of those lands. It means that he's still probably in the area of where famine could likely happen. And Egypt, if he would have went there like his father did before, then he would have been way out of the midst of this famine that was great in the land. And so he has to trust that if he stays there, that he would be provided for. And he has to obey. And that's the, the, the kind of the, um, that is kind of the visual of the trust that God would have. And so uh, I forgot to mention the second part of the like father, like son, as he said, his his uh, wife was his sister. Man, these guys here, man, like father, like son. Anyway, how do we apply these truths to our lives? Well, I, I think what's important for us to do is to trust and obey as well. Trust and obey. And the obedience is the visual or the evidence of the trust. 
It's the justification of the trust. When you see that we are doing what God has called us to do, what he has told us to do, then that means that we are trusting in what he said, that it's good, that it's right, and that it's beneficial. So what what is it in your life right now? For for me, uh, I think that it is just to obey the word of God, to listen to it, because sometimes we don't know what it is that God has called us to, but we absolutely know what his word has already commanded to us. And so if his word has commanded these things to us, that is where we should obey. We trust that the things he has spoken in his word are good for us. And so we live them out. I appreciate you guys for listening and live out the words of God today. Trust in his promises and walk in his statutes. I'll see you guys in the next episode.